This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Your best insight into Utah Jazz basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. I'm your host, Andy Larson, with Zach Harper, as always. I'm here. Until you until, aren't here. Until I'm not here. <laughs> until you have to go cover the playoffs elsewhere. I'm the managing editor of Salt City Hoops, ESPN, True Hoop Affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Zach Harper is the ESPN, or not ESPN, sorry. Once was ESPN. Former now ESPN. CBS Sports. Current CBS. Uh, NBA writer, columnist, uh, Twitter celebrity extraordinaire. Sure. Why not? Why not? Uh, we've got a fun show f- for you today. I mean, first of all, these playoff series, I think a couple of them are closer than we thought they were going to be last week. Right. So we'll, we'll talk about that. And obviously the injuries have certainly thrown things up in the air and made more things closer than we right. thought they would be. So uh, we'll talk about that. We've got uh, we four different coaching availabilities. We'll rank those and talk about those different situations. What are the Lakers, Kings, Knicks, and Rockets going to do? I guess the Rockets are still in the playoffs and are still being technically coached by somebody. Yeah, but by the time you listen to this tomorrow, right, <laughs> it could be completely different. Things are probably uh, and JB Bickerstaff. I, I don't have a lot of belief in. I I mean, it's possible he co- coaches them to a championship. Yeah, and then it's also very likely stay. he won't. <laughs> uh, I've been doing some NBA referee last two minute report research yes. uh, over the last week, so I wanted to talk about that a little bit answer some of your questions, and uh, I don't know, basically talk about what I found. We'll have Aaron Falk on uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. Actually, exactly at 8 o'clock, he's the Utah Jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, talking about the Jazz offseason and, and the season that was. We'll go around the NBA, as always. Uh, and LOL Lakers is is suffering a sad loss with the firing of Byron Scott, so we'll, we'll gonna pour hurt. one out for him. It's going to hurt that segment a that, lot. That segment is going to struggle. We'll see if we can keep it going next season. Um, I mean, I, I feel like for the last three seasons, the Lakers have, have, have said there's nowhere to go but up and then have right. found that that's actually not the case. Yes, they keep going down. It's amazing. <laughs> this year, 17 wins for the Lakers. Uh, worst in franchise history. Worst in franchise history. Second worst in the league, of course. But that tells you there's still room to go down. They're two they years under Byron. Bad. They're two years under Byron were the two worst years in Los Angeles Lakers history. See, and that's why I really wanted to keep them to keep him around. I mean, li- I mean, just one more. He worked with the young guys so well. If we clap enough for him, will they give him an encore? Will they bring <laughs> him back? Bring him back on stage <laughs> for <fair>. one more? <laughs> we just chant his name. I think that yeah. it should be like one of those things at the game where, like, the bear, the jazz bear, brings out the decibel meter. Like, okay. if we could hit like one fifteen. On the decibel meter. I think I think they have to give him another season. I think we should all just tweet at Lakers. Right. And if we get 115 people, yeah, then that they should have to be, hire Byron Scott. That back. should be enough for an account that probably has 4 million followers. <laughs> That's how that works. Uh, as always, this is a social show, so we really appreciate when you guys uh, tweet us or call us or or text us even if you have our phone numbers uh and if you don't that will be weird <laughs> if you don't just start if you guessing. guess it correctly one 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 no our, our twitter handles are at andy b larson and at talk hoops and uh you can call us eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred i want to pat myself on the back for a second please yeah the lakers have 4.7 million followers i was that not was that pretty, far off that was a good guess that's not bad that's that's an intricate knowledge of I mean, Twitter. If you were to say, <laughs> yeah, 
oh, I I guess a number, but I was off by seven hundred eighty thousand. Normally that would sound bad, but this was pretty good. Yeah, but you're off by like fifteen percent. Like that's right, great. exactly. That's great. That's great. I'll take that. Uh, currently, the Hornets and Heat are playing on TNT. Heat are leading that game forty-seven to forty, despite it being in no, Miami. Hornets. Game. Oh, sorry. Yes, thank you. The yeah. Hornets are leading forty-seven to forty, despite that game being in Miami. Uh, so that's that's fun. I, Jeremy Lin's been playing well, and Kemba Walker has been a, a incredible during this series. I, I mean, kind of taking it over during stretches of, of some. He of had these a games. big fourth quarter stretch with like eleven zero run in Game Four that really set them apart. Let's talk about that. See, let's. Start with that series yeah. first, then, since it's it's on our TV right now. Sure. Uh, I mean, is is he good enough to win a series? No, I don't think he is. Uh, he actually, I mean, he's shooting not great in this series in terms okay. of percentage, but you're used to that with Kemba Walker. This year, he had a much better um, efficiency and accuracy type of season. But in general, he's been a low percentage guy, but he has big moments, right? He can take over games. He can have these big moments. He needs Nick Batum out there. Yeah. Um, the differences this season with him on the floor with Batum and without Batum are the differences between him looking like an all star and him looking like an inefficient scorer. Um, so I think that you know Batum's does ankle need, does he need healthy Batum out there? You know, like is is it pro- enough I mean, for Batum to just spot up and healthy ish? I mean, you know, Batum does move the ball pretty well. He you know he's great at cutting to create the right spaces to get Kemba Walker. Uh, you know, good shots, good quality shots. It also helps that Jeremy Lin, you know, Jeremy Lin's been a huge help for him when they play the two of them together. It's it's big. Uh, but I think, I just think he needs one more person, probably a healthy Batum or a healthy enough Batum in order to win the series by themselves. But it is 2-2 and they're up in the second quarter of this game. Yeah, I mean, you look at just game four and he had more shots than the rest of their starting lineup combined. Right. Um, by uh, uh, sh- shot makes, I should say. Yeah. Uh, had 13 shot makes and the rest of his lineup only had eight. So, yeah. I mean, that gives you kind of an idea of the kind of load that he's been putting on. Uh, I, I mean, I like the Hornets. I think they're a fun team to watch. I think There's, Steve Clifford has figured out how to make them work defensively, yeah. which is shocking given you're starting Al Jefferson next to Frank Kaminsky. His three years, he's never had a real rim protector. Like, Biombo was there for a little bit off the bench, but for the most part, never had a real rim protector. And they're always good. They're always yeah. good at denying the paint. Like, they're just a brilliant team. Steve Clifford's brilliant. That team is smart in the way they play. All the players know how to play within the system on both ends of the floor. It's just a very intelligent group, and I think that I think that's the reason is you have an intelligent coach with an intelligent group, and it and it just works. He's he's one of my favorite coaches to talk to. Oh, too, he's great because yeah. he really will kind of explain what his he has a very clear idea of what his system is about and wants to share that with you and, yeah. and get into some nitty gritty X's and O's kind of stuff, which you think maybe he would want to keep secret, but he's he's willing to kind of go into yeah, it absolutely. whenever whenever you ask. Uh, a couple of tweets. A uh, internet bad gal, bad gal Suge at Suge Knight says, "Are you guys best friends or not? Are we best friends?" I mean, I think you have a new best friend now that you have a dog. Right, I do have a puppy. You just a nine got week a puppy, old puppy named Boogie this Friday, right? Friday, yeah. So it's been five days, and he's your new best friend. He is my new best friend. I, I can accept that. I will say you're my best friend in Salt Lake that does not bite me. Okay. <laughs> so I think like you have that distinction, which that's is pretty. pretty good. That's a pretty good. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. I mean, I'm. Lots of reasons not to bite you. Anymore. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that. Uh, at Clint, Clint tonight, thirty-three. Clint Peterson says, "Don't sweat. LOL. Lakers will be alive and well with Fisher Light at the helm." So, if Derek Fisher's coaching, he has expressed interest that he'd like the job. If Derek Fisher takes over, LOL Lakers is is very much alive. Yeah. I agree with Clint. The, but the, if both from a drama and a coaching point of view, I think For a lot of point of views, a lot of <laughs> angles to make fun of them in that in this one. Uh, let's. 
as always, you can keep tweeting us at Andy B. Larson at Talk Hoops. Uh, Let's move on to the next playoff matchup. Uh, Raptors-Pacers in the in the Eastern Conference. Uh, again, closer than a lot of people thought it would be, but then the currently Raptors up 3-2 in that series. Uh, had to make an incredible comeback last night in Great order comeback. for them to win the, that game. I, I don't... I mean, I'm so confused by Raptors. Playoff Raptors. It, it's. I mean, Kyle Lowry, I don't... Well, no, I wouldn't say he hasn't had a good game. He hasn't had a good game scoring the ball, but he's had some good games in the series. But he can't get going. DeMar DeRozan finally got going last right. night. Um, and, you know, they've just been relying on role players like Norm Powell, Patrick Patterson, Corey Joseph, B- Bismack Biombo. Like, all of these guys are coming through while their two stars just kind of dangle out there and, and they can't. You know, they're throwing, up, they're throwing up really bad shots. For the most part, they're not getting to the free throw line, although I think DeRozan got there 13 times in game five. Uh, and Paul George is just killing them. Yeah, he's, I, he's just he, they can't guard him. And Demar Carroll's still a good defender, even with the injury. Demar Derozan can defend. Norm Powell's done the best job on him, and he's like six three ish. But they just they can't stop him. You look at just his plus minus in in game five, and it's incredible. He was a plus yeah. fifteen when he was on the court for forty one minutes. Yeah, it was just that during the other seven minutes, the, the Pacers were outscored by eighteen points. Yeah, in the, it, going into the fourth quarter, through the first three quarters, he was a plus twenty five. That's crazy. I know that's that's unreal. <laughs> you should win that. You game. You should absolutely win that game. <laughs> You got to think that I mean Pacers fans are are killing themselves after how last night ended. Not only just with the comeback and all of that, but then you they had the three at the end to to yeah. tie, and it's it's barely still on his fingertips. I mean it's like half a second off, you know, or half a tenth of a second. Yeah, it's if Solomon it's Hill. As it gets. If Solomon Hill doesn't have fingertips, they they <laughs> they tie that game. Like, granted, it might affect his shot. But I think you can. It's like that, that kicker game. who didn't have toes, right? Like right. Kicked the longest field goal in NFL <laughs> right. history. Can you wear a glove in it's, the NBA? I that think just, that's fair. Okay. Just get it off faster. And yeah, you get it off I'm faster to help you shoot. Yeah, I think. Uh, hey, for those kids out there looking to become an NBA player, you know, consider no fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we probably don't endorse that message. No, actually, don't do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> uh, if anything, I, I like. NBA players who got in childhood accidents, I always think of Ronnie Brewer, right? The former right. jazz man who broke his elbow in like a, it was like a slip and slide accident something or like something. That. Yeah, some kind of slip um, and fall. But regardless, and can't bend his elbow all the way, and so had to shoot funny, and yeah. as a result, was terrible from the outside. So, you know, there. there Gerald are, Green's missing like half a finger. Is he? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Like one of his pinkies, I think, or, may, or maybe one of his ring fingers. It's one of those. Okay. The honest shooting hands, or an uh, off, that's know? a good question. Right. That well, we know. can look that up. We can one find my, this information. Yeah, out. one of my uh, my biology teacher in high school also missing. A, he wasn't a basketball player though, but he was bio, he did. But he was part of I mean, was he a better? Was he a better teacher because of his injury? I mean, I was really bad at it, but he at least made it interesting because of he was missing half a finger. There's also that uh, baseball pitcher who has six fingers on his hand. Oh, Antonio Alfonseca. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, Jim Abbott was missing a missing a whole whole hand. And he made a career. Yeah. So, I don't know where we're going with this. <laughs> Brandy Foy has half of his body switched. <laughs> Just crazy injuries? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the point is... If you're missing part of a limb, tweet us and let us know. <laughs> at Andy B. Larson, <laughs> at Talk Hoops. And how did it affect your sporting? Yeah. I, I want to know crazy injuries and whether or not you're still good at them. At whatever you do. Uh, let's, stay, let's stick in the Eastern Conference. Atlanta Hawks, Boston Celtics. Now a 2-2 series. Uh... You ask if the Hawks play well, do the Celtics still have a chance? I mean, it, it seems like they didn't play well in those two games in Boston. They did not, but they started hitting shots in the you know in the second half of 
of Game Five, and it was over. Oh, sorry, they're at they're at three two. Yeah, yeah, but no, in Boston they didn't play well, and, and Boston was Boston was fine. But it, you know, every game they've they've kind of hit shots or kind of played well. Boston just seems to get smoked. It, it's amazing that uh, Paul Millsap game. I mean, forty five points, nineteen still of on shooting, and and still lost because their other starters were two for ten, Ken Bazemore. Uh, two for eight, Al Horford. Jeff Teague was four for eighteen, and Kyle Korver was three for eleven. Like, yeah, that, it's incredible to get that good of a performance from from Paul Millsap. Yeah, and the Hawks, you know, like last season, they had one guy score more than thirty points in right. all eighty-two games. Paul Millsap scored thirty points in one of those games, <laughs> uh, and you know, still they were incredible. It's it's cool how much they work together as a team, and then when everybody went down except for Paul Millsap on Game Four, I don't know. I they still got to overtime. Yeah, they still and it was I mean it was an incredible effort, but interestingly enough, Al Horford had such a bad game after Tommy Heinsohn had said he's not a superstar. A lot of talk this week of who's a superstar and who isn't. There is. And uh I mean there's in in Dallas and Oklahoma City the uh, who was it that said that Mark Cuban Mark said, Cuban said yeah. Russell Westbrook wasn't a superstar. Yeah, he said he's a star but not a superstar. Which I don't know if you're if you're in the commercials of Jordan Brand. Yeah. I kind of feel like you are. I I I think there are really. I think you can make that case with like Kawhi Leonard, for example. Right. He's a top five, ten NBA player. Yeah. So you think he would be a superstar, but he just doesn't have that level of marketability. Right. That you know you would expect from one of those guys. Russell Westbrook's not one of those guys. No. He has as, he's as very big marketable. of a public image as as anybody. They they made some horrible Mountain Dew drink for him. Yeah. That he that he hawks. With a great commercial, uh, I might add. <laughs> him in like this weird green suit, sliding through. More of that, please. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and, I mean, if Russell Westbrook's not a superstar, Dirk Nowitzki's not. Right. I think that's a good point. I wonder how Cubes would feel about that. Chandler Parsons definitely isn't. <laughs> Chandler Parsons is a recruiting superstar. Yeah, we'll talk about that he, he, later on in the show, but yeah. he wants to bring in Dwight Howard, apparently. Sure, so. why not? Anyway. He should have to play for every Texas team. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why not? Warriors <laughs> Rockets. Uh. Warriors leading 3-1, but Steph Curry is out for two weeks, sprained MCL. Uh, first of all, you and I were right. He shouldn't have played in game four. Like, why Why even ha- try to have him go out there? I don't know if they, these were re- related injuries, but I just feel like I mean, it's he not a, worth the risk against the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, I think that in terms of just risking, I don't think he got hurt because, right. because of the injury. He got hurt because Donatus Montina sweats a lot and yeah. slid across the floor, and then Steph slid in that sweat spot. Um, but yeah, like I don't know that I would have played him just because I don't think you needed to. Right. And I mean, it becomes a lot of what ifs, but um, I don't know. I just think you, when you have a chance to do something that special, you probably should be cautious or a little more cautious. But I don't. I don't think you can attribute him playing and to you know and, and with that injury, however, whatever percentage he was, to to why he got injured in game four or game. Two, game three. Whenever he got hurt. When did he <laughs> right. get hurt? Game four. Game four, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Jason Terry guaranteed that the Rockets will win game five and even vowed to get another NBA trophy tattoo. This is big news because not a lot of people knew that Jason Terry was still in the NBA. So that's yeah. that's big <laughs> I mean, time for him. That's this is good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I don't think he's right, but <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say he's wrong tonight. <laughs> yeah, and we will find out quickly. Yeah. Uh, as, don't get, don't stop yourself from getting the tattoo. No, I mean crazy tattoos are. We're going to talk about that on the show yeah, too. Yeah, you can you can be in a slideshow on on any website 
if you have a crazy tattoo. Yeah, if you, if you want to be famous, get a crazy tattoo or a crazy haircut yeah. behind in the back of your head of yep. whatever sporting Some thing kind of you player. want. Some kind of player. And you will be on For the Win so fast. Exactly. Matt Bonner. You're going to write about it on CBS Sports. Yeah, any, if... any spur and I'll write about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Rockets are or Warriors are going to win tonight, right? Like, yeah, I, I mean they're, they're at, home. at home. I mean, I guess the Rockets can do weird things when they try. They, they did have that comeback against the Clippers. That's true. But they were down three one. Then anything can happen. They've got the confidence. They've got the experience to pull it off. <laughs> Why not? Okay. I mean, they don't have any I'm heart. I'm skeptical. But <laughs> they don't have they don't have any heart. They don't have any determination. They don't have any focus. But other than that, they also have vacation plans starting this weekend. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, they had to have been furious that this went five games. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You could see it on their faces. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Clippers Blazers. I mean, incredible injuries that have happened to the, the Clippers Chris this Paul, week. I mean, Chris hand. Paul bro- and then Blake Griffin out for the playoffs, too, with yeah. the strength quad. I mean, I don't think there's any way that like the Clippers kind of figured out how to win without Blake Griffin a little bit. Sure. I don't think there's any way they can do it without Chris Paul. All right. Well, <clears throat> In five games this year, as, with Jamal Crawford as a starter, he did score 29 points a game. Okay. 46% from the field, 45% from three, 91% from the free throw line. Wow. Um, so, that's a score. Trade Chris Paul. Tra- get rid of Chris Paul. <laughs> Austin Rivers did have that one really good playoff game last year. Um, yeah. Jeff Green's a guy. <laughs> that's he. Paul uh, Pierce has done stuff before. He, uh, yeah. Pablo Prigioni I mean, and Cole Aldrich have a great friendship that is going to cause them to eat one of the cows that lives on Pablo Prigioni's farm in Argentina. They, There's a lot of continuity. <laughs> they beat the Jazz in that game that you know without yeah. those guys, so I guess it's it's plausible. Sure. Uh, I think the Blazers are better than the Jazz, and I think this is a more important game. But I would definitely say it's more important. I I also just think that Cole Aldridge can't be that good. I don't know. When he was playing against high school players, he was pretty good. <laughs> That's true. So if he can just channel that, I don't get why. I, I don't I just, get why we don't have more hypnosis in pro sports. Okay. Something why can't this. you? Why can't you go to Cole Aldridge before this game, hypnotize him, and say you are playing against high school kids? Go dominate. I mean, the Blazers aren't that old. You're not <laughs> right. <laughs> like you could look. Like you could trick him into looking at. Mason Plumley and just be like, I'm way bigger than that guy, because he's he's got you know probably what 20 pounds on Mason Plumley. Yeah, Mason Plumley's a big guy, but Cole is just, is hefty. I yeah. would say. Okay. Why can't this be a thing? Why can't you go tell Pablo Prigioni you guys are playing for the gold medal tonight and as Jamal as Crawford it, is Manu Ginobili? As soon as they bring out Chris Kamen, though, then <laughs> <laughs> it has to be a, he wakes up and he he can't possibly he can't possibly keep that going. Sure. I mean, uh, all right. Why can't you tell? Uh, Paul Pierce, who loves to dress up in costumes, that your Buzz Lightyear and and that Yeti looking fellow over there named Chris Kamen is someone you have to defeat. <laughs> like, why not? Why can't this happen? I just think hypnosis should be part of the NBA. I I, I don't think anyone's tried it before. So right? Why not? I, I don't know that we have like a we don't have like a a negative example that we can say. Okay, so this definitely doesn't work. It's a, if we don't have a negative example, it's a hundred percent. <laughs> to be a positive experience. Yeah. That's how math works. I, th- I think at least like some, uh, like the Grizzlies should have tried it before they were right. out of the playoffs. Yeah. Now. Although if you see Boban Marjanovic <laughs> in front of you, that probably breaks any hypnosis. 
I mean, so, again, he's a he's a monster. He's a yeti right. that you have to. Yeah. Not a yeti, but no, I don't know what like a, what mo, what monster does he look most like? Just a, I don't know. I mean, the mill some, giant. Something in Game of Thrones, I'm sure. Yeah. The uh, there were actual giants in that show, right? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't. I oh. don't watch Game of Thrones. I'm oh, sorry, I, I'm a terrible. I'm person. surprised that I watch that and you don't. I don't watch a lot of TV. Like I, okay. Just all that basketball I watch. No, I mean I. I don't know. It's. Yeah. I, I just should. I don't, I don't like. I mean I don't really like fantasy stuff, but it's good. Check it out. Okay. <laughs> see if see if there's any scouting that you can get from it. There's a there was a hot <laughs> TV take. Watch Game of Thrones, Andy. You it, might like it. You might like it. <laughs> well, I'm glad we all got great TV recommendations. We got to take a break. On the other side, uh, we're going to be talking about these coaching availabilities: Lakers, Kings, Knicks, and Rockets. We're going to rank them. If we were a free agent coach, which ones would we take? Uh, the, the different situations out there. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, we're coming in with some Iggy Azalea. Sure. I mean, NBA ties there. Nick Topical. Young. Actually, yeah, made the news today because she prevented Nick Young from getting an incorrectly spelled tattoo. Did you th- see this story? Oh, I didn't. Oh, she's also causing quite a ruckus in the hip hop scene right now. Oh, really? I yes, didn't know for that. the tweets. Okay, so uh, I did not I'll, see I'll the, go Nick the Young NBA thing. way first, and then you go. Uh, so Nick Young was going to get a Born Rebel tattoo, but he spelled Rebel incorrectly, R E B L E. Which is not how that word works. Oh. And Iggy had to stop him. So that's my story. What, what do you got on Iggy? Um, okay, so there's a lyric in this uh, Beyonce album uh, that was on that was in a movie presentation on HBO. Okay. That uh, essentially mentions uh, a, a person named Becky. Oh, wait. Is she Becky? No. But Iggy took offense to, to the term Becky. And thought that it had a negative connotation and that it was incorrect, I believe. And then uh, was kind of corrected of like the hip hop history that she apparently doesn't know, even though she's in hip hop, of like Becky with uh, Baby Got Back and okay. that kind of thing. And and now she's um, now she's fighting back against this attack on her knowledge of the hip hop industry. Oh. That's essentially what's going on. Okay. So very topical. I mean, right, it even yeah. works for the show. I mean, show. it was literally it going on as I drove over here. That's that's pretty great. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> good so, job, Iggy. <laughs> thank you, John, for everything that you do for us. Uh, yeah. Let's take the call. Uh, Jared is on the line. Jared, how are hey, you? Guys, pretty good. How about you guys? Good. Are you great. are you at Go the Distance? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. Okay. Yeah, so go we forty nine. Uh, so you're tweeting us and calling us. I mean, basically, well, you're our you know, favorite listener. You're our ever. best caller. <laughs> yeah. I gotta troll you guys in real life because I didn't see you guys tweet back. So uh, <laughs> apologies. I no, mean, we're, we're trying to respond no, on on the show. So no, no, no. I'm just I'm kidding. I was listening to the show and I, no, I had a funny thought that I figured <laughs> I'd share with you guys live. Okay. Um. So you were talking about Boban, and that kind of sprung. Uh, you know, my mind went weird places with that, but I, I settled upon, I think Boban looks a lot, insanely a lot like Andre the Giant. And it makes me wonder okay. if he has the same kind of condition Andre has, which means he's going to continue to grow until he dies. Or <laughs> I think we would know that, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. I would hope so. Yeah, I'll just yeah I, don't know they would, I don't know if they would let him play if that was the case, but I like the Andre the Giant comparison. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you add like... I don't know, 100 pounds. 
Well, well, Boban is Andre without the Andre just ate and he ate right ate. without the beer, right? And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Andre loved him some beer it, because his, oh, the he, beer yeah. was smaller than his like, hands, right? By like a, a lot. I, yeah, I'm sure he would go crazy on the box wine, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, who does? He loved because he loved good French wine. Yeah, he loved good French wine, so that. Definitely, the box wine fits in there, <laughs> and then he and then he loved him like a barrel of beer. Like he would need well, a barrel rich, of beer. So well, Boban's on the Spurs, stuff. right? So Pop tells him to drink wine. Yeah, that's probably a requirement. Yeah, you're with Boris. You're with Pop. You're with Tony Parker. I'm sure Boris has to be pushing something, you know, wine wise. I mean, <laughs> Boris Jaw and wine are like you know hand in hand. Yeah. Does he? Yeah. Is is he a marketable guy in, in terms France? of France? Well, he had some oh. like. Like oh yeah, Boris. Commercial no, where he was him like and Tony in a Parker hotel. are the two most popular players. Sure, but is is he is he literally trying to get people to buy a certain wine right now? And if that's not, that's a, a missed opportunity. Question. I would have to ask my friend uh, Jeffrey from well, Jeffrey in English, <laughs> closer to Geo Frey, I guess you would say. Geoffrey. But I'd have to ask him. He would Game definitely know if if, uh, if you know if he's hawking wine over there. <laughs> All right. Well, we will we consult your friend Joffrey and and tweet us. Tweet us. Let us or call know. back. Who knows? <laughs> and uh, yeah, we will we will find out what Boris's current status is. But thank you for your Boban suggestions. Thanks, Jared. Okay, Jared's gone. Um, but thanks for calling. So we want to talk about the available coaching availabilities, as you so. Uh, the available coaching availabilities. <laughs> Professional so writer right here. Put it in your text to me earlier today. <laughs> uh, we've got four that we're considering coaching availabilities. The Lakers, the Kings, the Knicks, and the Rockets. We're assuming J.B. Bickerstaff does not fuel the comeback with his coaching acumen and get them to a championship. Right. Although, actually, he doesn't need to do that. If he coached them back from a 3-1 deficit to beat the Warriors, even without Steph. You get your job. I think he keeps it. I think that's fair. I mean, it's not going to happen. But. No, but, <laughs> but he can, you know, fingers crossed. Maybe he can get a tattoo of, of his next contract. So which of those situations is the best? Probably the Rockets, right? I mean, just on wins alone. Yeah, I mean, I guess you wonder, did the Rockets, have the Rockets hit their peak? And is it a situation even- that's, I don't know, not... F- not necessarily the easiest to fix because of the egos involved in terms of James Harden and maybe Dwight Howard, assuming he could still return. Right. So I guess you've got that possibility. I I think it's more likely that Dwight Howard leaves and then you've got James Harden and whatever else, which isn't, isn't great. And I guess you can, you can make, okay. So if they trade James Harden, let's say that happens, I don't think it's likely at all, but uh, you'd still have probably better assets moving forward than I think that either than the the Licks, the sorry the Lakers Kings or Knicks would. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the the Knicks thing is a is problematic because one, you have to fit into what Phil Jackson wants. Right. And two, you're working for James Dolan. And three, Carmelo's on the wrong side of thirty with a big contract. Yeah. So you have Kristaps Porzingis, which fantastic. Like, let's coach him up. But there's a there's a lot of noise getting in the way there. The Kings. Um, in theory, should be a good job because they have new owners, a new arena. You know, they want to get this right, except they don't know how to get it right, and you don't know if DeMarcus Cousins is going to be there past his contract because it doesn't seem like that. The Lakers, I th- I might put the Lakers above the Rockets just because of really? the market, and you have to think that, all right, let's say D'Angelo Russell is a guy who could be an all-star. 
they have a lot of youth. They have a lot of um, you know assets moving forward once this this pick either is conveyed or not conveyed. Yeah, and and, and you're in L.A. Like I think like the the market doesn't mean what it used to mean because of because of the way marketing is is so much easier to do now because of the internet and all that. Right, but it's still it's still a valuable position. Like you would still get some pretty good player now that Kobe's gone. Now that they have this flexibility without you know without having to do too much pitching like you just kind of have to get that first guy and then i think everyone else will be willing to come is that the right move for the franchise to try to go out and get someone like that this year and and well i mean you know, the draft only, a guy i mean i guess the only guy you could go get is al horford in theory right. cuz i durant's not going to go there right so is horford enough to start getting guy i mean horford's an excellent player probably top 20 guy you know all nba caliber big man uh, very capable of of being an impact player. He's not a superstar, like no, Tommy but Hansen he said, is but... like a position of need too. He right, doesn't exactly. overlap with D'Angelo, for example. Yeah, presumably whoever you would take at pick two or three or whatever. Right. They so, end up. so you, I mean, you could have a nice a nice chest of assets and players, you know, right away. So maybe I would put the like I I guess I'd still go with the Rockets number one, but I think the Lakers are are right there. Okay, and then Kings and Knicks. I mean, you got to go Knicks and then Kings. I think. Yeah. Um, just because the Kings, like, they have one asset. It's DeMarcus Cousins. Right. And, like, not that Willie Cauley-Stein isn't a nice, you know, young player and Ben McLemore could maybe be something, but you have DeMarcus Cousins. He doesn't like what's going on. I don't know how confident you can be that he's going to, he's going to you know, be there moving forward. Now you've got another uh... – the other thing is if you wanted to be a coach for only a year and then make money without doing anything for the next two to three years, right. you should coach the Kings because they will fire you after one or fewer years. Yeah, make sure you, there are no team options in that deal. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, you can, I mean. Get yourself a four-year deal. That's a sweet gig. <laughs> to be able to get fired and then be paid millions years after. Yeah. That's a sweet gig. And it deal. happens like every NBA it coaching happens deal. happens a lot. <laughs> The Lakers are paying a lot of coaches. Mm-hmm. I think the Cavs are probably still paying Mike Brown. Yeah. Um, they might still be paying Byron Scott, too. You know, they're still paying David Blatt. Yep. That's a that's, lot of money. so much money. But whatever. Should they cap coaches' contracts? I don't think so. Like, I don't care. Yeah, I guess not. Who's that hurting? What like, are the odds? The Kings it's either are... the owners or the coaches that make money, and I, yeah. I don't care if the coaches get more. What are the odds the Kings are still paying Gary St. Jean? <laughs> from like 94 or whenever he coached the team. He's probably like on their staff somewhere. As, he's a I mean Vlade knew him, so he right. has to be he's on the front office right roster somewhere. Yeah, he's got to be like I know he does some work for the Warriors studio <laughs> team, but I'm sure he's Not also like, you know, head of concessions. We have Gordy Chiesa on ESPN 700 all the time, but he works for the Magic. I sure. mean, not a problem. Yeah, it's not a, not an issue. We've got a caller by the way. What was his name again? Alec. Alec Harry. Good. What do you want to talk about? So, obviously, you guys are on the topic of coaching availability, and uh, one of the things that keeps coming back in my head is David Blatt has obviously been talking to the Knicks over the past few days about their uh, job opening. Uh, what are the odds that you think that if he takes that job, Carmelo is the type of player that can coach over David Blatt just like LeBron did in Cleveland? That's a good question because he does have power. Right. But there is like this kind of like, all right, the CAA agency. That's the thing. Power struggled. So, you know, David Blatt, I don't believe a CAA. No. So can he, 
I don't know. Does that clash? Does that does that make more of a problem for David Blatt, or does it make it easier because you know he would in theory have Phil Jackson's backing, even though he seems more like a Steve Mills guy who's Phil Jackson's you know right hand man. Yeah, I, I don't see Carmelo as that sort of uh, meddler. I guess you know what I mean. I mean, I, I I don't think he has the kind of stake that LeBron does at any franchise he goes to because I mean he doesn't have the contract running out for one, so he doesn't have that sort of authority to to make decisions. And quite frankly, you know, LeBron's the top. I don't know. 10, 15 player of all time, Mellows isn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he doesn't necessarily have that credit. I, I, I wonder, like, I don't think Carmelo's the type to necessarily meddle. Uh, I think he's just the type to ignore. Okay. So, so like, I was trying to teach my dog his name this morning. <laughs> and, uh, and so you, like, do it with, tr- with, like, treats, but he was just running to, like, the bookcase and trying to chew books. Oh. Instead, so like he wasn't going like against my training; <laughs> he was just distracted by something he wanted to do more. So I think Carmelo would be, oh yeah, I could run this offense, or I could be distracted by the shots I want to take. So I'll just take these shots. <laughs> so what are what are the treats then in in Nick's world that David Blatt or whoever their coach is to, can get Melo on board with? Jab step jumpers into the offense. Okay, I mean that's what he likes to do. Yeah, yeah. I was going to make a cereal joke in there too, but sure. we can we can skip that if we want. Yeah, I don't know that that's. <laughs> Safe for the airwaves. Right. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the call, by the way, Alec. Uh, I, I think it's a it's a real question. I mean, you who are the best coaches to fit in each of these slots? I mean, uh, David Blatt, as as Alec pointed out, met with New York President Phil Jackson uh, on Monday, so that's interesting. We've got David Fisher, or sorry, Derek Fisher, meeting with the Lakers. Uh, Luke Walton also got permission to meet with the Lakers after this series is done. Right. Uh, We've got 17 different candidates for the Kings. Everyone from Brian Shaw to like Vinny Del Negro, Negro. Sam Mitchell, Mark Jackson. None of those coaches are super inspiring, by the way. Yeah. I think. Like David Blatt is a better coach than all of those guys we just named. In my opinion, anyway. I don't know. Is he better than Vinny? I think I yeah. think I think we're way too hard on Vinny. Really? Because he didn't do what we here's the thing. If a coach doesn't do what we think is the right move, right. we kill him. So he didn't handle timeouts well, right? Right. Like he blew timeouts. But in Chicago, they were successful. He made the playoffs. In LA, they were successful and made the playoffs. That could just be the talent. But he was still I mean, he was They still did a, immediately upgrade after getting Thibodeau though. The, sure. The Bulls. Yeah. I mean he Thibodeau's a better coach. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Okay. Doc Rivers is a better coach. Like he can be replaced. I think he's a nice, like, kind of stepping stone coach. We think I think we have the stigma of him of like he's a bad coach. I don't think he's a bad coach at all. I just mm-hmm. don't think he's an inspiring coach. Okay, I'm fine with that. Yeah, uh, I would definitely rather have any of those guys over Brian Shaw. I think I'd rather have, let's see, a Derek Fisher. I don't rank very highly. No, no, especially not after the way he got ousted. Right. Uh, if I mean, if you're the Rockets, what kind of coach are you trying to hire? I mean, it's got to be analytics friendly, right? Um, he's got to be. I mean, he's got. It's got to be a strong voice. That's like, the we, thing. We've you can't. Seen... You can't do Jaron Collins, for example. No, well, I don't know. He's a strong voice. You think? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think he would have their respect, hmm. at least for a year. <laughs> okay. And then you never know. That's all you can do. Yeah. But no, I, I think I don't know if a first-time head coach and and Jaron's, you know, I, I think because he played, it's easier. Okay. I think that's what that's what. But he makes wasn't it good, right? Like he wasn't <sighs> good, but he like you can connect on. Hey, I had to guard Shaq. This is what I did. Okay. And I think I think you can connect on that. Okay. Um, 
but it probably does like it in Houston it probably does need to be a guy who has experience and has a decent track record and likes analytics right. I mean like I'd be fine with Jeff Van Gundy there see that's probably the guy respected voice respects analytics you know is a good de- defensive coach like yeah we got Jacob calling but this is a, we've had more callers in this segment Gates. than in two months of doing the show <laughs> so thank you guys for listening uh Jacob what do you what's on your mind Hey, uh, so I just joined the show. I normally just listen when I'm driving at the time, and it's not a question about coaching at all. That's fine. Um, I read an article this week about the Memphis Grizzlies and how they're kind of stuck right in the middle of, you know, being mediocre. And I think it's kind of the jazz of with the Paul Millsup, Al Jefferson era. Do you feel that the personnel that we have is just going to bring us back to being a mediocre team? Or do you think there's actually someone that might be a superstar that has the potential to bring us to a conference championship or eventual title? When you say us, do you mean the Jazz? Yes, yeah, sorry. Okay, no, that's that's fine. Well, I think I think one, it depends on the context of the year because the Memphis Grizzlies did get to a conference finals. Uh, I think you have I think you have to have an identity. Like I, that's the thing about whether you're a treadmill team, a mediocre team, or whatever. If you can establish an identity and you can thrive off that identity, that's where you can have success, especially in the playoffs, because you rely on that identity and you can build off it. Uh, that's what the Grizzlies you know, did a pretty good job of mm-hmm. for years without having that shooting. The, the Jazz have shooting. Yeah. They have you know, Gordon Hayward and Rodney Hood, and um, you know, maybe Alec Burks can develop a, you know, a consistent jumper. He's been and, good the last two years from three. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think they have the weapons to, to both thrive in their own identity and still have enough firepower to to put pressure on the opposing team. So because of that, like I don't know I don't know if this is a championship core that will probably depend on Dante Exum. Right. But in terms of like can they be the next Grizzlies? I don't think there's anything wrong with being the next Grizzlies considering I think they can be better than that team. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, you you look at you look at the Al Jefferson Paul Millsap era that that Jacob referenced and I think that team was a team that was lacking an identity because they had, you know, they had Al and Paul, but then they had this core of young players like Gordon Hayward coming up, but they weren't really giving playing time to. They had traded away Darren Williams, which is a rebuilding sort of move, right. but was still kind of trying to com- contend, compete, whatever. Uh, this, at least, iteration of the Jazz, I think, has a real identity of we're going to be a young, defensively tough team and then see what the offense can do for us and, and you know make enough shots, take enough three-point shots that you end up having a relatively efficient offense. I mean, that the Jazz had a top off top above average top 15 offense this year is pretty incredible to with me all given the injuries, yeah. the injuries and quite frankly the the lack of a superstar. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that I think too like I I don't think uh I think saying oh well they're just the Grizzlies I don't think like I get the concern in that that they you just like you have a, a very set ceiling but I think for the Jazz that ceiling can can be high enough to to really be a problem. The other thing is like with the Warriors and the Spurs in the league it's so hard to just be like, yeah, we're going to win a championship no right. matter what you do, right? The, like the Thunder, the Clippers, yeah, the Cavs, even. Right. I mean, just it doesn't really seem like they have a real chance at it. Yeah, I guess like if they become the Hawks of the West where they're they're a team that can get into the conference finals. You get 60 wins, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you can get into the conference finals, then, you know, you kind of have a shot, right? right? So I think that's the goal is can you be a team that can advance, 
you know, a couple of rounds in the playoffs and then see what happens. Take advantage yeah. of injuries like we've seen this year. Exactly. All right, we got to take a break. On the other side, we've got more of your tweets. Uh, and then also I want to talk about the NBA's referee, the referee study that I've been doing over the last week uh, about the last two-minute reports released by the NBA. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. We got three calls in the last segment, which is more than we've had in like two or three months. Throw the number out there again. Yeah, the number is 877-353-0700. We will talk about literally whatever. I will talk about literally anything. doesn't have to be sports. We can can make this into like a... Self-help advice show. If we, yeah, if you want, if you want, if you want, if you want help from us, <laughs> we could do that for you. What's that? Oh, you can dial on the app. That's an amazing feature that I didn't know that we had. G. But I mean, wow! Download the ESPN 700 app. You can listen to us. You can dial it. Apparently, yeah. I mean, it'll do your taxes. Well, that might not be true. It, I mean, it depends how simple your taxes are. There might be an ad on that app. For H and R Block to go get your taxes done. I think the all the ads are for ESPN 700, right? Like we just want everyone coming to us. Right. We don't need ads. We we make money as it is. Exactly. But definitely like support sponsors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm. Yes, but they go, they pay us in other ways. Right. Go to a go to a soccer game. We've got a couple of tweets. Uh, at go the distance 49. Jared called us. That wasn't sufficient. Said Hornacek is a Kings candidate. No, Jeff Hornacek. Is he? I haven't. He should be. Yeah, I think he's a good coach. I think he's a good coach as well. I I don't really understand why the Suns fired him, to be honest. I do. They're a dysfunctional organization. Well. They're a horrible organization. (laughs) Okay. They have great, like, their owner owner gets in the way of a lot. He's like the Dan Gilbert of the West. Okay. So, like, bad owner, dysfunctional owner, but you put enough good people in the in the right positions, he won't completely destroy that. So, Dan Gilbert spent a lot of money on coaches and stuff, though, right? I guess they're now spending money on Hornacek, but uh, regardless. Right. We've also got another tweet from, uh, and of course I closed my notifications. No, uh, from Clint tonight saying, if I'm Luke, I'm telling Jim and Jeannie to get boned. I'm not sure if I can say that on the air, but I just well, did. Well, you just did. We'll see if he gets dumped. Uh, I'm If I'm Luke Walton, I would not take that job. Really? I would not. I don't think he I don't think he wants to take the job anyway. I I probably would. I don't think he needs to cash in. Like I think he's in this to get I think he, I really think he's in this to get um a career in coaching and not just like, "Hey, I now I can be a coach." Like I think there's a difference between trying to cash in on a coaching opportunity and trying to become a good coach. And hmm. I think he's more interested in figuring out how to become a good coach, especially after how difficult that opening like Great, they won twenty four straight. They had a great record and all that stuff, but that was hard. Yeah, that was hard coaching. It, I think it showed him he's not quite ready. The team was great, fantastic. He's not going to have that team in his next coaching position. Um, so I think that that showed him he needs to, you know, really, really brush up on the ins and outs of being a coach. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think he would be a great choice for them, and I, I do think he's probably a little bit too green to be. Yeah. Uh, head coach, but I think ultimately, if you get that opportunity, if they offer you the job. I, it's hard to say no, right? I just, I just don't think that's. Uh, like, I just don't and, think. And if that, he thinks that way, more power to him. I don't think he's going to be devoid of opportunities. No, that's, that's the thing. True. Like everyone says, there are only th- there are only thirty coaching jobs, so you got to take one. 
No. There's like eight new ones every year. <laughs> Coaches get fired every year. There's always an opportunity to get in there and get, and get a coaching job. That's a fair point. And especially if you start racking up championship rings as an assistant, there you go. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair point. Okay, I promised we would talk about refereeing in this segment, and then we have 10 seg- seconds left, so we'll talk about it later on in the show. We've got Aaron Falk, the Utah Jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, joining us next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Just a great song. It is a great song. Welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper joining you. Uh, talking about basketball, getting so many phone calls and tweets from all of you. Thanks again. By the way, if you want to tweet us questions for Aaron Falk, who we have waiting on the line, tweet us at Andy B. Larson or at Pac Hoops. Uh, you can't call us because Aaron's already on the line. Right, so yeah, we're not going to patch him through. Yeah, it's not going to be a four-way call situation. No. That's just really awkward. Aaron, are you there? Yes. How are you guys? We're good. How are you? I'm so good. Are you, have you been enjoying the the time off? I uh, absolutely, yeah. I've, I've I've been wearing nothing but sleeveless t-shirts, and I I think I've had a Miller highlight in my hand basically every second of the day. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not true, but yeah, that's true. He's wearing sleeve t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, actually, to, to tie these two themes together, I got a uh, text from Angie Treasure saying what uh, Andre the Giant was drinking. Because uh, we were talking about that, Aaron, earlier. Don't worry. Okay. So uh, Andre the Giant drank what's called what he called the American, which consisted of 40 ounces of various liquors poured into a pitcher, and he would drink several of these in a single sitting. Carrie Owens, uh, how do you pronounce that, by the way? Uh, Kerry Elwes is his Princess oh, Bride Kerry, superstar. Oh, Kerry Ewells. Or, Ooh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know, know. Something <laughs> British. Um, I think that's just called a Long Island iced tea. But 40 ounces? <laughs> sure, yeah, 40 ounces Long Island he iced said tea. He, Andre was in the club drinking Long Island iced teas. He said, that's how we do. He's never tasted airplane fuel, but I imagine it's very close to what that must taste like. <laughs> Aaron, since you're kind of on vacation, maybe you can test this out for us. <laughs> Uh, I'm on vacation. I'm not. I'm not trying to kill myself. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, let's talk about the Utah Jazz. Uh, obviously, season a little bit of a disappointment, ending under 500. Uh, I think a lot of people expected either you know an above 500 performance at the end, and of course, until just a week before the season ended, they looked very probable to make the playoffs, and then you know all of a sudden that that went awry. I guess I would say. What would you say? It, it, how much do you think that hurts them long term to to not have made the playoffs? To is that a hitch in the development? Do you think? I, I mean, it's certainly a, a missed opportunity, and and you know, it's how, how many times do you hear you know players and coaches say you know you have to you have to experience something, you have to go through it once to to really truly understand it, and not a lot of those guys have, have even sniffed the playoffs before. I mean. And Gordon and Derek and and uh, Trevor Booker and then I guess now Shelvin Mack, the only guys with any sort of playoff experience on that team. So it, it hurts them in the sense that you know, assuming they that they are not as uh, injury ridden as they were this year, and they they take that step forward that I think most people expect. 
they make the playoffs next year, and they're going into a brand-new situation, a situation that almost none of those guys have ever dealt with before. I mean, you know, if they make the playoffs this year, they probably get run out of by Golden State in, in four games, and it's not like it's necessarily a life-changing thing, but it's still going to be something that's brand-new to all of them whenever it is that they, they get there, and I think that hurts them eventually. Do you think that because of the injury issues this year, you know, I think I think it's tough for fans to – to hear like, hey, but considering the injuries, you know, they actually had a pretty good year because you know you want to see playoffs and and you want to see you know overall success. Does do, do the injuries this year and o- over the last maybe two years force the Jazz to start looking at you know more training staff, you know availability, more training staff development, more medical stuff? Like, do they have to look towards that part, or, or is that part pretty solid? And these are just freak occurrences. I, I think. I mean, you you look at obviously Dante thing out of there, you know, away from them, basically. Right. Um, Alec Burks, hard to say that, you know, it's something that could have been done when you just crashed to the floor that hard. Um, and, and you know, Rudy Gobert, someone fell into him in, in practice. You know, maybe maybe you look at the, the Derek Favors thing and, and, and maybe you can point to how long it took Alec Burks to come back and, and say maybe there's something there. But these guys are going to, you know, it, it's not even – you know, Brian Zeller's first year as, as the head trainer, but they're going to doctors, surgeons at the, at the university hospital. They're going to doctors and surgeons, you know, in New York and L.A., and they're getting a bunch of, you know, outside opinions and help. I, I don't necessarily think that it's that that's the issue. I think it was just a string of some very, very bad luck. And, and obviously, if, if it happens again, you know, then, then maybe it's, it's not coincidence, but right now I, I I don't think I could make that leap. Yeah, it's like with, with Brian Zettler, it, it you know that's the name. He's he's the head trainer, but in terms of who's actually taking care of these guys, it's it's a whole team of people. Not only just like the University of Utah healthcare people, which they always reference in the tweets and and PR reports and everything else. But then you're right that they are getting third and fourth opinions from doctors around the country that are you know sharing their opinions as well. So it's not even just the people on on the press releases either. So. I, it's it's a whole team effort that it's hard to like pinpoint one thing that could go better or worse. I guess. Yeah, I mean every trip to LA, you know, Dante Axum's there because his surgeon's in LA. He's seeing he's seeing something there, and, and you know, it's it's these guys are you know multi you know they're players and human beings, but at the end of the day, they're multi million dollar assets, and they're they're not going cheap on the uh, you know they're not going HMO and, and just trying to find somebody <laughs> in network to. Uh, to make sure that, that their their needs are covered. Donald yeah. Sterling definitely did that, right? <laughs> like up and up until he was gone, I believe that was their medical advice. Yeah, no doubt. Um, do you think that the Jazz's starting lineup next year is set? Do you think it's Dante Exum, Ronnie Hood, Gordon Hayward, Derek Favors, and Rudy Gobert? Um, unless they sign Kevin Durant. Okay. Um, no. So breaking no, Kevin Durant I- in the mix. <laughs> Uh, I, I guess part of that d- depending on on how healthy Dante Exum is. I think it's largely set. Um, you know, they have money to spend this summer, but I, you know, you heard Dennis say it at, at, uh, at, during the exit interviews, and you've heard him say it a million times. This is this uh, a front office and a team that's going to err toward cohesiveness and chemistry, and and you know, if, if there's if there's somebody out there that that fits um 
and, and is willing to live in Salt Lake and, and you know, is, is an, obviously an upgraded talent, then, then things are, are, are different. But by and large, you got to think that, that they're going to be pretty cautious with what they're doing. they got a bunch of guys that are going to have to pay themselves um, you know, their own guys in the coming years. And, and I think, yeah, I think probably that's the starting lineup. Do they go out of their way to make maybe the two trades that Dennis Lindsay mentioned as, you know, things that they tried to do, but then weren't able to for whatever reason, or, I mean, basically do you try to maybe get someone through a trade rather than a free agency acquisition where quite frankly, you don't have to convince them to come to Salt Lake city. Uh, I think that's, you know, it's certainly possible, and, and it'll probably again. I think it hinges on how comfortable they feel with with Exum. I mean, they they need they they've said, and, and they certainly need some sort of veteran help, some guys with some more experience. That's going to get them a few wins, and, and if, if ultimately playoffs and, and success there is, you know, it's it's about more than just development. They're going to need that um, that sort of outside help. Uh, you know, they need some shooting. They need wing toughness. Uh, probably an upgrade to, on, on like the Chris Johnson, Joe Ingles type. Um, I think they, they could do that, but I think they're still going to be hesitant. I think they're going to be a little wary of taking minutes away from Axum, from you know Alec or or Rodney, but I guess depending, and, and Trey Lyles. I think they are going to be pretty cautious. What? They also don't have a ton of flexibility in the sense that their roster is already pretty full, right? Like they kind of have like 13, 14-ish spots already taken so you would think that a, a trade is one more likely just because of the location and, and the the money that you can absorb but also they, they just don't really have to do anything yeah yeah i mean you know some of those guys aren't aren't guaranteed or are or, or such low guarantees that they could you know um wave and, and be fine but i mean eventually you know you you, you think that whether they they think that alec Burks is is the right piece, and it's you know they at least uh, publicly say they do, or or something like that. You have to upgrade count somewhere. So I mean, a trade is likely, and if, if there's a good deal out there where you can package Alex Burks and, and something else to upgrade talent, of course you do that. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think ultimately, and this is so hard to evaluate general managers because you don't really have any idea of what's out there on the market, what's realistic, you know, like. The Jeff Teague thing that everyone talked about, and you know, maybe I was at the forefront of, of this, of just like talking about Jeff Teague incessantly for those two right. weeks. Um, <laughs> but really, it, it didn't seem like in retrospect it was that much of an option just because the Hawks were asking for you know the sun and the moon and everything in between. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all cloak and dagger, and, and you know, a lot of what you hear is, you know, garbage. It's, it's someone else's... Uh, Trying to trying to gain some leverage and, and you know, using agents or, or whatever and you know planting something that's out there. It's, it's very hard. I mean, these guys guard the stuff like it's uh, you know some sort of great government secret. Um, <laughs> and you know, it, yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, you don't know you don't know what what Dennis Lindsay's doing. You don't know who he's trying to to woo, and he's never going to be the guy that's going to put you know. I mean, try to bring in. You know, put Kevin Durant up on up on the the jumbotron outside of you know, or billboards outside of the arena, and, and do that. But certainly, he's going to you know, he he makes that call, and you 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 don't get to see all of that because they are so secretive about it. I think that is a good idea, though, to put a Kevin Durant billboard up in Salt Lake City. 
What about one of those like giant inflatable things that you see in car dealerships? Certainly the Millers <laughs> have access to that. Yeah, but you just like tape his face over. <laughs> I think that <laughs> you throw use a that 35. New Snapchat app, man. Right, yeah, use the new Snapchat technology and, <laughs> and you could you can make that work pretty easily. This may be a little too inside baseball, even though we're not talking baseball, but do, you mentioned like the the smoke screens and the cloak and dagger and everything um of all the of all the stuff that that goes on with with rumors. How hard does that make your job for trying to figure out what's real and what's not? Oh, it's, it's certainly difficult. I mean, you know, it's everybody's got some motivation for, for whatever it is they're willing to share. I mean, even to the most mundane thing. Um, you know, I, I think you, you, you just try to get it from a couple of people and, or at least, you know, trust, but figure out who you can trust the most. But certainly every, everybody that, that feeds anybody anything has some level of of uh, agenda there. It's not just to help the uh, you know a struggling reporter. The other thing is like whether or not some of these things make sense, right? Like there right. are some rumors that just well, sure. make no sense from any perspective, and yet still get reported because you know someone said X to Y reporter, and ultimately, just generally, teams don't do things that just make no sense at all from from any perspective. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a, a product of just one how how rampant and, and casual you know the sort of anonymous source has become. I mean, I, I think if you look back ten years ago, I, I don't think it was nearly probably what what it was, and now it's just it's just the way that everyone operates, um, you know. And, and there's so much competition out there that I mean, just just from strictly a media standpoint, that that certainly there are people out there who. If they if they hear it, regardless of if it makes sense, they're going to run with it on some level because it's something that they have and they need to produce something, or that you know they need eyeballs. It's it's there there is that is a fact of life. I don't think that the majority of people. I don't think that you know I'm not, I'm not saying that there's necessarily that that great evil in in all in everybody, but you know I think that's kind of the nature of of the beast. That people feel that pressure, they feel that tension, so that's why you see a lot of trash out there. So if I start making up jazz rumors, is that going to put pressure on you to go get your own jazz rumors? It's going to put pressure on me to go to the fridge and grab one more Miller. <laughs> well, a win's a win. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. seems like it seems like you can really help everyone out here. Right. Uh, I mean, kind of on that thread, we were like, what, a week and a half, two weeks away from draft workouts starting for the jazz? Yeah, I, I, I think pretty soon here. Um, you know, it's not not exciting names, but uh, I, I haven't received any indication that it's going to be anything other than the usual, you know, parade of 150 guys coming through. Um, most of whom, you know, you'll you'll never hear from again. But they like they like to uh, get you know develop their information, and and they've got you know files on all these guys, and yeah, we'll see. You know, again, I think I think probably close to another you know 100 100 players come through. Yeah, I mean, this year they have three second round draft picks, so. They that's, that's have to do something. With Fifty them. people per pick. Yeah, absolutely. And again, they they've got a uh, you know we really got to split out a, a killer lineup for the uh, first year of the Utah Stars. Oh right, that's that's a good point. Will SLC you, stars, right? SLC, SLC stars. Uh, see what I I don't know. Anything. Will you be Will you be <laughs> heading over there and, and doing double duty? Uh, not exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting, and, and I think it'll be um, you know it, it, it'll be interesting to keep tabs on some of those guys a little close more closely and you know it's it's crazy i think we've we've all talked about this but 
at the end of the day, like for as much as, as the D League gets kind of poo pooed by people, it's crazy because all those guys are still elite, like top level guys from colleges that people right. would be going crazy over if they were just playing worse players. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think it'll be interesting too, just because of what the Jazz can do with the young guys, right? Yeah. Like that that's that's kind of a nice caveat here for the Jazz and, and like building up interest for the Stars is you you will see. Like you don't have to go to Idaho to see Tibor Place, right? Yeah. Like you can you could just go see him, and, and if you're interested in seeing him develop, it's kind of cool. I I do want to see Tibor Place as much as possible. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't like driving to Idaho. No, so. <laughs> it's a long, lonely drive. <laughs> All right, Aaron, we're gonna let you go. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Of course, we can read your work at Trib Jazz on Twitter and in the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, anything else? <laughs> I love you guys. Take care. Have a good night. Enjoy the fridge. See, you, Aaron. All right, Aaron Falk, Salt Lake Tribune. Thanks to him again for joining us. And a great um, trivia member as well. Yeah, no, I t- we won this week, by the way. We you didn't won. talk about this. We beat the, so there's a, we do trivia every Monday. Us, right. us jazz media members. I knew you beat the other team. I didn't know that was no. A we win. won number one. We wow. beat the, the so there's this team that's won like twenty to twenty five times in a row, and we won this week. We, and they were there. They were there. Wow. And we we won. It was it was me, Angie, uh, Spencer Hall, and Jason Lee. Wow. So So I, I might I might be in jeopardy here. No. <laughs> There's six people to a team. You can't hurt us. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> your your movie knowledge is incredible. That's true. Like, I, I do have a I do have a skill. It's unassailable. We we need you. Uh yeah, no, that that was probably the happiest I've been this week was wow. that one moment <laughs> of just like, yes, we won. Okay. Uh at Jared or Jared at Go the Distance Forty Nine, our uh, MVP listener for today. Does front loading a deal financially ever happen in the NBA? It, it does. does. Yeah, it does. You can get front loading deals. The problem with this is, um, it's rare because that there percent. Sometimes the next deal is based off the percentage of your your last year of the previous right. deal, right? So you don't want a declining deal because it can possibly make you make less money per year in the next deal after that. And yeah, so it's pretty rare. Just generally agents won't agree to it unless, right. you know, you're getting a big dollar increase as well. That makes up for that. Right. Exactly. But anyway, good question. Uh, let's talk about referees for a little let's bit. Let's do it. Finally, <laughs> since we had it planned on earlier in the show, but I, I've been looking at this for the last, well, okay. I've been looking at it for the last couple of months. I finally compiled the stats for the end of the year okay. um, for the entire 2015, 16 regular season. Uh, Monday and Tuesday of this week, and basically came up with some interesting st- statistics on how uh, the last two minutes of these close games are refereed. So the NBA does these last two-minute reports where every call, correct or incorrect, are, are graded, and uh, for every game that's within five minutes and within two minutes, or sorry, within five points with two minutes left, and so you can kind of get an idea of, of the trends and, and who's getting the most calls their way and the most incorrect calls against them. Uh, and it turns out that the Jazz are the team with the most incorrect calls against them. Ooh. They had uh, 33, co- 33 calls go against them and only 21 calls go for them. So they have a, a minus 12 call margin. Does that okay. make sense? Uh, meanwhile, the Houston Rockets, the Jazz's competition for the eighth seed and ultimate winners of that competition, had 14 more calls go their way than the opposition's way, 45 to 31. Okay. Uh, that's the number one team in the NBA. So you look at these two different spectrums. So of, you're looking at a difference of 26. Yeah, of 26 calls that you know may have made the difference in, in the playoffs. even one call can change everything, right? Right. You remember the Houston game here in Salt Lake City where Jeff Withey was fouled right. intentionally. So 
Uh, no call. Refs kept the yeah their whistle in their in their mouths. I guess it did not blow. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> they and, kept their breath in their lungs. Yes, and uh, you know the the Rockets went on to win that game. It's a little bit of another knife for Jazz fans, I think, to have to see another example of, of the Jazz uh, of how close they were. Right. But it also just kind of raises some interesting questions. The the NBA Referees Association came out and said that they are calling for reforms in how this process is done, uh, which I think is interesting. I tried to reach out for them to to comment on that Tuesday and haven't heard back. I'll let you guys know when I do. Uh, I just think. I just think sometimes referees uh, are an interesting topic that nobody really wants to talk about because it's generally like stupid fans that really want to blame well, yeah, I think, bad things I think that people, happen to their team. I think people want to talk refs. about it, but not in a rational, like, productive discussion, right? right? It's more like, rah, they hate us, and instead of like, actually, this is the trend, this is where this is going type of deal, um, where if you break it down from you know a, a real smart discussion standpoint, you can kind of... You can get to the bottom of like what type of call is being missed, how often mm-hmm. is being missed, what type of player is getting that call. Like I would imagine the Rockets got a bunch of calls in their favor because James Harden forces a lot of calls. Right. Right? Like right or wrong, like he forces a lot of calls. If Gordon Hayward played like that, I don't think the J I'm not saying he should play like that, like he should play his game, but if he played like that, the Jazz probably aren't the worst team in the league when it comes to those calls in the last two minutes. Right. right? The Jazz, I mean the Jazz front office and, and coaches and whatever else, they don't think that they're being biased against. Right, you know, exactly, it's not a yeah. market thing. You can go through this list and see plenty of small markets that are doing great in terms of call margin and plenty of big markets that are doing terribly. It's not a star power thing either. Cleveland, The Cleveland Cavaliers are minus five, for example, on the yeah. year in call margin. I mean, and so they have J.R. Smith. But I think there is... Yeah. The biggest star. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, clearly, I, I think it is... A style of play thing, though, you can say, where the Jazz kind of rely on the slow, a lot of half-court sets, with which means a lot of contact that can or cannot be called. Sure. Um, a lot of motion in their offense, guys moving, the ball moving a, a lot, and, and a lot certainly... Of jumpers coming around screens. Yeah, that sort, of, like. that sort of stuff where there's a, a lot of potential for, for moving screens or long possessions that result in a lot of contact being called or not. Uh, so... Ultimately, that's why the Jazz feel that these calls are going against them. And by the way, in the full 48-minute report, kind of these secret reports that the NBA does for every team, but not uh, they're not released publicly, the Jazz still rank near the bottom. I know they were at the bottom when I asked about it in February. I haven't been able to hear uh, what it looks like for the full season in terms of where they rank in these four, full 48-minute reports. But I, I do think it's a, kind of a style of play thing, which raises an interesting question of, well, do the Jazz need to change their style of play in order to take advantage? I mean, if it's an average of five calls per 48 minutes, that's a that's a big deal. That's significant. Yeah, and, and it's not – I mean, what the you always look at, all right, we want shots at the rim. We want quality three-point shots, right? Like right. those are the two shots you want more than anything or get to the free throw line. And the Jazz don't seem to – they don't to me, they don't seem to get a lot of – shots at the rim late in games. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like a lot of jumpers, and because of that, you know, some of that could just be randomness. Some of that could be by design. Some of that could be that's what the defense gives you, and so you'll take what the defense gives you. Um, but for this team, like, I don't know they need to necessarily change what they're doing. I do think there is a level of aggression, though, in how they in how they do it. Like, maybe they need to speed up the things they're doing yeah. in order to create these situations, right? Like, what they're doing is correct, but you could do it, you know, a half step quicker put more pressure on the defense and maybe force mistakes. I thought it was really interesting talking to Rodney Hood about how he's 
he, uh, I asked why he wasn't getting to the line as much as he wants, and he said, well, I'm kind of a two-foot jumper, uh, yeah. where he's, he's you know, jumping uh, for his jump shot and everything else off of two feet. And most of the guys who uh, get a lot of calls are, are one-foot jumpers, guys like James Harden who are able to use their athleticism while still kind of being yeah. shifty. DeMar DeRozan, um, one-foot yeah, jumper. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Rodney Hood's not that guy, and you can kind of develop maybe more of a one-foot jump, but I don't know if he'll ever become a guy who can really – draw free throws in kind of this way that seems to be working for uh, Harden, DeRozan, et cetera. Yeah, I, I think it's – someone asked me the other day, like, what's the point of these reports of, you know, why are they even doing right. that? And the, and the answer is transparency, but their, their kind of point was, well, if nothing gets changed, what, what does that matter? I think it is good for transparency. I think, it is, I think it is something that benefits them because it gives you more information to look at the games and see what's working and what's not from a league standpoint, mm-hmm. what you need to change. I'm not really into the whole ref- – like – I think refs are blamed way too often for stuff. Like it really bothers me that we are going to blame a couple of calls instead of the way a team played for 48 minutes. Like that, that logic just doesn't add up to me. But with that said, like refs wanting to change this process and protect themselves more is from what it sounds like to me, that's got to go like that. Like I get it. I get it from their standpoint as a referee union, but for the betterment of the league and really the betterment of their profession, if they want to get better, right? Like part of the problem looks to be is that the refs that are coming up, these young referees, aren't very good. No. Now, young referees uh-huh. typically typically are bad anyway. But Joey Crawford was on uh, Woj's podcast a while ago, like maybe a month or two ago, and talked about how, you know, basically like kind of like they're not a lot of good young refs. And I think that's the problem. And, and so if you can get these reports – and kind of show what needs to improve, then you can develop referees. Like, referees aren't just good right away. Like, they need to no. develop. If you did, like, an NBA last two-minute report for college referees, oh, my goodness. Oh, be, you would be, be a blessing. Everyone would be in the negative somehow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Courtney Lee, by the way, just hit a three to put the Hornets up 90-88 to 88 with 25 seconds left in Ooh. that game. So After uh, a, after game a goal 10 was not called yeah. on Dwayne Wade. Well. Miami fans have been hating the referees in the series. We'll see if it's on that last two minute report. I bet they liked him that way. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm just really curious to see how that plans out. I really hope the NBA Referee Association gets back to me and and kind of answers because I want to know what kind of reforms they do want. They said, we want reforms and and, uh, changes to this process, whatever that might be, but they didn't say what, what that would be. And heck, I'm not even sure if we're honest, if they've decided they're kind of in the middle of something right right now. So I I get that, but It'd be interesting to see what their plans are and what, what really they want to accomplish in terms of changes. I'd like, personally, as just a, a watcher of this, I'd like it if they did last two-minute reports if a game was within five points within two minutes rather than just at the two-minute mark. I don't understand why we're not doing it for every game. I don't know why it has to trigger. Yeah, I'm cool with that, too. What, like, let's get a bigger sample size of what's going right and what's going wrong. Well, I mean, sample size wise, like the the league office has all forty eight minutes. Right? Sure, like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're grading every call, right. so it's really just what can we know as a public. And I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm kind of the only guy who's charting these to this extent. You're definitely the only person I know that's charting <laughs> these that, that talks about them a lot. Yeah, and it, it is like a personal failing of mine. Like I know that it does annoy some fans that uh, I'm I'm talking about it this much. This uh, Heat-Charlotte game, Uh-oh. Miami just got the last possession, but the shot got blocked in the corner from Drogic. Then uh, Dwayne Wade wasn't able to come up with the rebound, so the, the Hornets lead 90-88 to 88 with 2.6 seconds left. 
We're going to go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we're going to be talking around the NBA, all the news and notes that have come out of the association during the playoffs over the last week. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Well, we just had a final in Charlotte, or actually in Miami, against the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte just won 90-88, to uh, taking the series lead 3-2 to and going home for a game six. We don't really know what happened on the game's final play where... Uh, Somehow there was a foul or two Heat players ran into each other. or Anyway, the clock ran down and somehow nothing happened. This is our first replay at it. So ball inbounded to Cody Zeller. and The Heat fouled themselves. Yep, the Heat. Josh Richardson and Luol Deng fouled themselves and not (laughs) Cody Zeller. Ball game. (laughs) And that's actually a good call by the refs. Right, that's a good no call. That's well done. Uh, Still, big win for the Hornets. I, I, I like the Hornets a lot. I like this team. I'm into it. Uh, let's go into around the NBA. First of all, Steve Kerr won coach of the year this year, again, by a huge margin. Despite not having his name on, I guess, the, the official record for a number of the Heat or of the Warriors wins. I hate this argument. Yeah, I know. I, 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 he was coaching the team. Like he, was. he wasn't coaching them in games. He was there with them in practices. He was there guiding Luke Walton. Luke Walton right. had help from, uh, the coaching staff, just like, Steve Kerr would have done. Steve Kerr helped the coaching staff. Like he wasn't gone for two months, three months, do, like not coaching. So I just think it's a horrible argument to, I don't know, try to get Terry Stotts the award or Brad Stevens or whoever no, you I, wanted. I, I think it's Steve Kerr. I, yeah. I, you coach the best team in NBA history. Yeah. I think you you get the. It's award. his culture. It's his system. It's his principles. Like it's all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Kings unveiled new logos today, or I guess yesterday, in glorious full color. Uh, I really like them. I like them a lot. I think the lion one is actually kind of similar to Real Salt Lake here. Uh, sure, but uh, something I'm familiar with. <laughs> um, I, I like them, and actually, the Kings are buying tattoos for any fans that want them at, at selected tattoo parlors in there Sacramento. Are five tattoo parlors where they're they're giving and out lines free are tattoos. out the door. Sure, why wouldn't you get one? Because. <laughs> You could, could get something else. You could get, or know. you could get nothing. I don't know. Here's the thing: I don't know if I would buy. Uh, I don't know if I would get the logo of a team that just changed its logo. Right? That doesn't say that this logo right. is a permanent sort of thing. Right. Um. I mean, I guess it's a good thing to do it now rather than like five years ago when the Maloofs were trying to move them to Anaheim right. and Seattle and that's true Albuquerque and everywhere else. Hey, if you get a Kings logo, then though, I mean, you're real. You're you're pretty. That's legit. legit. Yeah, that's a hundred percent legit. I do have to say, uh, the Kings were nice enough to send me a shirt with the logo, really, and a hat, okay, and a car sticker. Uh, I, I don't. Wow. I don't want the car sticker, but if anybody wants a car sticker, anyone wants a car sticker, a Kings logo car sticker. Hoops. Tweet me. I'll send it to you, and he'll send it to you. Yeah. I mean, do do people have to pay the postage or? No, I'll pay the postage. It's All a car right. sticker. How much could that could be more than two dollars, right? Oh, if it's more no, than two dollars, I'll bill you. But. No, you can. I mean, can you just put it in a regular envelope? I don't see why not. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Just throw a stamp on it. Exactly. Now <laughs> i got to get a stamp. Ah, what have you signed up for? Yeah. Like, I had to buy a stamp for taxes last what week. awful thing. I had no idea. Like, I was so oh, confused see, I, what I to e-filed. do. Well, so I would do that, except I had to, like, si- I had to send in a check. Oh, okay. Um, and so I had to do that somehow. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so that's my stamps. taxing situation. Get, <laughs> uh, <laughs> get stamps. Chandler Parsons is apparently recruiting Dwight Howard to come to the Dallas Mavericks. 
He's the best recruit out there. This is true, but I don't know why. I mean, I guess Dwight they, Howard would help the Mavericks. They I, don't have anybody. They have no, nobody on this team. Like, no offense, but they have is nobody. Is Chandler Parsons going to be a Maverick next year? Probably. I, I mean, guess if that's br- what that if means. If he brings Dwight, I assume that means he's going to. Can they sign both Chandler Parsons and Dwight Howard? Do yeah, they have they've, the got, cap they've got a ton of cap oh, okay. space. Who's um, dropping off? Well, Parsons is, Parsons has a player option. Right. Dirk has a player option, which I'm sure they can finagle. Um, I believe they can have as much as $33 million or something like that in cap space. But can you, I mean, can they sign Dwight Howard while still having the cap holds of Parsons and Nowitzki? Well, if they exercise their player options. Oh, uh, okay. They could get around But then, that. okay, but then do, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Okay. Chandler did it before. He's yeah, one for true. one on recruiting Dwight. He is. <laughs> so, shoot or shoot. Almost got DeAndre. Almost got DeAndre. He had DeAndre. In and out. Uh, Luke Walton is said to be the leading candidate for the Lakers head coaching job. We've talked about that. Lakers are also looking at a Tory Messina, who I, I like, him. I like better. Yeah. I love him. Um, go, go get him. Yeah. I, I think he's a brilliant coach and, or Mark Jackson. Or Mark Jackson. Who I don't think is a brilliant coach, but I think would be funny. Brian Shaw's out. I, I like Brian Shaw better. Why don't we do a dual head coaching position? Well, let's, let's actually make it a trio. Mark Jackson, David Blatt, and Brian Shaw. Okay. And we just see. Who can shout louder during games? <laughs> and who gets the players' attention more during games? I, you know, I think that's really an approach that hasn't been tried before. But, I mean, there are five basketball players on the floor. Why can't right. there be multiple coaches? I'm sure someone in the ABA did it. The ABA was so <laughs> inventive. That's really the approach. Uh, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz called bas- uh, a basketball rim a basketball ring. He in, did. A, in a in a campaign appearance in Indiana yesterday. What you need to do is catapult that leather sack of air at a basketball ring, Look, and 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 get demerits. The for late it. great cow, uh, the late great Hot Rod Hunley called it the cowhide globe. I right? like the cowhide globe. The mild arc and the, as a cowhide globe globe hits home. I like that. Half credit for that one. <laughs> uh, basketball ring though. That's not great. I mean, if you're gonna make if you're gonna make like a Hoosiers reference in Indiana, right? You can't just be like, "Well, them are basketball rings." There is a there is a great vine. Same height, no matter where you go. There's a great vine of that basketball ring comment somewhere where there's uh, a, a young woman in the background mm-hmm. who just has this horrified face as soon as he says basketball. Yeah. As soon as she realized what he said, like, "Oh no!" It's great. I'm just uncomfortable there's, right now. If you want to see that, go to ksl.com. I oh, put it in my like sports roundup today. So. Yeah. Uh, a reporter asked Raymond Green a really weird question trying to compare like the deadly Houston floods this week or last weekend to Golden State's three point shooting, like a, a flood of three point shots somehow. Right. And then Draymond was like, no, people are dying and these are three point shots and these are different things. Oh, apparently. Uh, yeah. Apparently this wasn't a one time thing either. He had asked he had asked it shoot around or practice as well. Yeah, I mean. So that's the thing. You ask this question multiple times, and then it turns out this reporter was fired. He was for this writing or reporting or, I don't know, whatever, for a Chinese network, uh, was based in Houston, and then was fired just as soon as this thing blew up, I guess. I mean, it's unfortunate. Like, I don't want to see someone right. lose their job, but it was, like, you can't double down on asking this kind of a question. Like, it's just, it's not an appropriate comparison, right? Right. Those are those are just different things. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, let's go into LOL Lakers. It's pretty simple this week. <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like they messed up. 
Yeah, this is this is kind of the end of LOL Lakers, at least this era of LOL Lakers, because so much of our con our comedy, our content of LOL Lakers has been Byron Scott related, and sadly he has been fired. I guess let go by the Los Angeles Lakers. They did not uh, up his his team his team option for this season, which apparently nobody knew he had. But right. regardless, what did the odds he do it? Yeah, it's possible he didn't. He he thought he was good. Right. Byron Scott, no more the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. The two worst seasons in, in Lakers history under Byron Scott. Um, there are still some supporters who say, hey, he took a team to back-to-back -to -back finals. That was in 2002 and 2003. Uh-huh. He hasn't been good since. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. He hasn't acclimated to the times. He doesn't have Jason Kidd as his point guard anymore in his right. prime. Byron Scott, not a good coach. No, I don't think he's... he's ever been a good coach. There was a Lakers fan that told like, me he was that Byron was put in an impossible position. I think that's fair. I think I agree. He you put him in a coaching position, that's impossible for him to be successful. <laughs> but um that's that's the best joke we'll have. No, I he's just not good. I don't know. No, he sucks. He's a bad defensive coach, bad offensive coach, bad motivator, bad talent developer. But other than that, he's fantastic. <laughs> I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Yeah. Well, that's the Lakers for you. All right. That's our LOL Lakers. Uh, may there be more from whoever they end up hiring. Oh, uh, they're still coming. Jim Buss is still in, still in that's charge. That's true. Very, very good point. We've got a couple of tweets, by the way, um, on the officials thing. First of all, uh, Kane Fitzgerald, a, a famous enemy of jazz fans, is was just refereeing this Charlotte-Miami game and apparently made a bad call. I, I didn't see it, but nevertheless... Um, and we got a tweet from David Locke asking how many first round officials are used 60, uh, sorry. So there are 62 or 64, something like that total referees. And then they choose the 36 best ones for the first round of the playoffs. Uh, I think it's 25 for the second round, 18 for the third round, and then 12 for the finals. Uh, right. so anyway, that's that, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> some Fitzgerald. referee stats you might want to know. Top Came 36. Cam Fitzgerald is apparently a top 36 ref. I, I don't really dis... I, I probably disagree. No, I absolutely disagree. <laughs> I'm with I'm with Locke on this one. He's just... Uh, I want him to blow the whistle anytime. But you know who also gets in on these is Ed Molloy, who's a yeah. horrendous referee. He was in the finals last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's much more about experience and, uh, I guess, if you have tenure right. than if you're one of the 12 Which best is always referees. the way to do stuff. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, we got a tweet also from Riley O'Brien at Riley O'Jazz. Who's more ex excited for their favorite team over the next few years? Andy and the Jazz or Zach and the Wolves? I'm quite excited about the Wolves. Yeah, I, I think probably you. I have reservations about this Thibodeau thing just from we don't know if he's going to still overplay players too many minutes. So I'm, I'm worried about that until we see it. Uh, but Carl Anthony Towns, like yeah, that's just, really the Jazz don't have a cat. He's the best player in the league. Actually, speaking of cats, oh. did you see that NBA Cat Watch tweet that uh, the last four NBA Finals champions have had a, a player who owns a cat on their team? <laughs> well, that's so, just good science. That's what we need: is players, teams that have a cat, whether that be Carl Anthony Towns or a literal. By the way, CAT. Jared at Go the Distance Forty Nine uh -huh. said he'll take the sticker. So, Jared, it's yours. Jared, it's, You're first I mean, come, first serve. you definitely earned it. Yeah, you've definitely earned it. You called, you've tweeted, you asked for the sticker. It's yours. I'll yeah. DM you. I like it. <laughs> All right. We're going to go ahead and take a break. 
On the other side, uh, I don't know. Ex- oh, yeah. We're talking about what's the most important email you've ever received. Ooh, I've got a good I was asked this question today, and I thought it would be a good final show segment. Sure. Why not? That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. I'm going to let this play for a little bit. Sure. Some Jazz Brothers. I just want to say to you, it's true. There's one thing we need to do. So who is this? I think that's Thurl Bailey. That's Thurl, right? Yeah. We got to turn this thing around. Pretty good. It's really good. Keep it, right Keep it sexy is the name of the song. Okay. Which you know, it's very in the chorus. Very Jackie Moonish. Yeah. <laughs> very, very semi-pro. Yeah, this was done at the end of the '80s. Like it feels like it's a decade too late, right? Yeah. It. I don't know. I think this. 1987. I think this is ageless. Yeah. Before <laughs> that. I mean. Is there, is there a team in what team in the league is most likely to do this now to, to form a, a singing troupe? I mean the Warriors. Warriors are a very tight knit group. Yeah. Okay. Would you think they'd go out and do do a, a jazz band of some sort? I mean Steve Kerr d- did improv at Second City in Chicago. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. There, okay. There's a great. Uh, I think Ramona Shelburne wrote a great profile about him and like the pain he's gone through with his surgeries and stuff mm-hmm. on ESPN and. Uh, I, it mentions like him doing the improv stuff. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So, so he's willing to go out there. Improv is basically jazz. Yeah, <laughs> why not? So facto. Uh, I was asked an interesting question today, and I wanted to just wrap up the show with it because you know we got I don't know three minutes left or whatever. Uh, what's the most important email you've ever received? Like right now on my phone, I've got fifty-five thousand unread emails. Wow. So that might—I mean—it might be in there somewhere. Wow. Oh, see, How do I, you have that many unread emails? Because, like, it's, you know, WordPress notifications and Yelp emails and, like, I don't know, dental reminder emails that oh, I just don't want to read. Suffering. You can unsubscribe from that. Yeah. I Yeah, but then I'd have to open the email, John. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have, no, I, I just, you know. I clear them all. I can't. I don't like the notifications on a phone. I clear everything. See, and I've I've even got, like... A lot of unread text notifications. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've got... Let's see what it is. I've got 67 unread text messages. (laughs) But again, like, a lot of them are Twitter. A lot of them are just things like, exciting, see you later. People have been like, yeah, um, sounds good to me. I don't... I can see that little Don't you want to clear that notification, though? good. Wow. It doesn't bother me. It does bother me so much. I guess there are two types of people in this world. People like you and people like me who can't stand any of those type of notifications. Right. My email is always clean. My texts are always clean. I'm with you. Twitter is always clean. I'm not, I'm not a completionist. Like, I, I just, That's all right. you know, I can just see what's at the top and I can ignore the rest. Um, okay, so... Anyway, yeah. What's the most important email you've was, ever received? Was, and John, I'll ask you too. I was coming back from Vegas Summer League. Uh, when I got back, my dog had... I got back early in the morning. I had, took a red-eye flight. My dog had thrown up. Okay. My dog had crapped all over the place as I got home. And so, uh, at that moment, I received an email as I was cleaning stuff up from the great people at, at 2K Sports asking me if I wanted to be one of the media members in NBA ah. 2K. Uh, it was the first year they did it. So, this was like 2K13, 2K14, one of those. Okay. And, uh, and that made the whole experience pretty great. <laughs> it made cleaning up yeah, the, it's the my dog fa- mess. It's my favorite video game it. ever. And, it's, uh, and it was, it's a joy to be a part of. That's what I would say. Great answer. Shout out to Ronnie Singh. John, what do you got? 
my first initial reaction was the one that came with the NBA blue book in it, which is the contact information <laughs> for anybody that matters. There's also an MLB. I'm not in there. I'm I'm wildly offended. You you're in my blue book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but there's also an NFL and MLB blue book. But at, at the life of a producer revolves around me getting guests for different shows. Uh, thankfully, I don't get guests for this one. You take care of that. Part <laughs> I would say the email I got from uh, Mr. James Rust inviting me in for an interview for an internship at ESPN 700. Okay, All that's right. good. So I'm, I'm going to call that one my most important. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I've got a couple. One, I got accepted to Duke University. Wow. I didn't, I didn't go. By email. <laughs> but I, yeah, so I was on the wait list and okay. they let me know I was off the wait list by email. Wow. Um, so there was that. And then also uh, just the email that let me know that I was in Jazzbots, which was this like Utah Jazz hosted jazz blogging thing okay. um, that that the team actually ran for a couple of years there. That was really kind of the start of my jazz writing career. And had I been rejected, and actually I was rejected the first year they they did it. I got accepted the second year. Um, I don't know. I don't think I would be here today by by any means. I'll also say when I got the email back in back in two thousand nine. From Kevin Arnett saying, "Hey, what's your number? I'd love to chat with you." That was about joining the ESPN True Hoop Network, which pretty much launched my career. Right. Um, that was a that was a nerve wracking yet cool email. Yeah. Um. I, I, like. Shout out to Kevin Arnett, who's just the greatest. Yeah. Gr- great. But I, I miss. Uh, this sounds crazy, but I I miss kind of the camaraderie of the ESPN True sure. Hoop Network. Yeah, like, it was great. We just uh, for whatever reason we've gotten away from that a little bit, and it'd be cool to have all of those people in the same room again. And, no, because. Because you wouldn't read your emails anyway. So <laughs> you you would not be a part of this. I would read those emails. <laughs> just not the ones from, from you, Zach. Those are the only ones I don't know. I'm sorry. No, uh, it's like, fine. Okay, like this American Express, your April statement, 2016 just, statement is ready. Just click it and it's gone. Yeah, but I have 55,000 to click now. <laughs> it's too late. All right, that's the Salt City Hoops show. Listen to us, saltcityhoops.com, um, ESPN700sports.com. Andy Larson, Zach Harper, signing out. Thanks, guys. ESPN700.